0: The Planters Place podcast is brought to you by Osmocote, the planters' plant food. I'm Amy Grusak, a garden writer in Great Falls, Montana, and today I want to give you a few tips on how to extend that season so you don't have to wait until that that traditional last frost date. Now here in Great Falls, if I waited until it was quote-unquote safe, I wouldn't plant anything until the middle of summer. We've received snows in June and even frost in July. So, you really can't depend on that on a, on a guide when to send out those tender vegetables. Thankfully, there's a whole bunch of tools and techniques you can use to gain a jump on the season. To give you an idea of what I do, let's start by talking about tomatoes. I plant my tomatoes an easy six and sometimes even eight weeks before a traditional frost date. Now, of course, this has to start with me starting them in February and March because a lot of the greenhouses around here won't even sell them that early because they know people will put them out, they'll get frosted, nipped, frozen, and they'll be pretty disappointed. So I actually start my gardening season, like I said, in February and March. So I'm ready to put those tomatoes in the ground by April and sometimes May if I'm slacking off during the year. Now when I'm putting anything in the ground early, early in the season, the number one thing you have to do is heat it up. It's really hard on those poor little transplants to go from the house or the greenhouse or even the cold frame and then put their little roots in that cold, cold ground. So you need to heat it up by spreading out plastic. You can use either the clear or the black, pin it down really tight over the area and let it sit there for at least a week longer if it's cold and rainy and longer if you can. So if you can put it down in early spring late winter and let it sit there for several weeks or a month, that's even better. Now when I go to plant the tomatoes, I always turn to the wall of waters. These are an, a wonderful, wonderful device. It's basically a water-filled teepee that the water cylinders absorb the sun's heat and it, that energy during the day, and then the heat is released gradually at night. I have had these for decades. They've went well, wintered or weathered well through multiple days of cold and cloudy weather where you think they're not going to work effectively, and I've had them go through blizzards on multiple, multiple occasions and have never, ever lost a plant it's pretty amazing to go out there with, you know, two feet of snow. The wall of waters are basically covered and to just creak them open a little bit, look inside. The plant is just fine. Just happy in there. They're not growing a whole lot, but they sure are far, far from being dead. So after I warm up the soil I'm ready to plant my tomatoes, I'll just grab my wall of waters, I grab a five-gallon bucket and a hose, and I'm ready to go. So I'm going to plant the tomato like normal, I usually pinch off those bottom few leaves and dig a nice hole, plant the tomato nice and deep, water it in, then I'm going to take my five-gallon bucket, put it, invert it over the top of the tomato, and then take my empty wall of water and put that around the five-gallon bucket. The bucket's going to serve as the frame to keep it stabilized before we get all the cylinders filled with water. So once it's there, and you do want to make sure it's nice and even on the bottom, because if it's not, then the TP can co- can collapse. So once the wall of water is over the bucket, nice and even on the bottom, you take your hose and fill each one of those cylinders within a couple inches to the top. It doesn't have to be very to the very tip top, but pretty, pretty full. So once that's done, you just take that five-gallon bucket, pull it off of your tomato plant, and the The teepee closes in on itself and is self-stabilizing. It's just wonderful. And that's it. That's all you have to do. And as the tomato grows, you might want to open up the wall of water a little bit to allow more sunlight to come in and let those leaves, those top leaves come out. You can use stakes to push them into the ground down below on the inside of the wall of water and open it up. Or a friend of mine uses crochet hooks, which work really well. He puts them around the top and it just opens them up nicely. Now you want to take the wall of waters off before the tomatoes get too big that you can't squeeze out the water and then pull the wall of water over the top. If they do get too big and unruly and you can't get it off without damaging the plant, then just squeeze the water out of it and you can leave it on for the rest of the summer. Some people kind of wind them down. I a lot of times will leave mine up just because it helps mitigate the wind. We have such a problem with wind around here. So a lot of times I will leave mine on, but either way, it's kind of your personal preference. So with the wall of waters, the tomatoes are great, but I've also used them to set out peas really early. Growing up in Ohio, we planted peas on St. Patrick's Day. Around here, it typically isn't an option because the ground is still absolutely frozen. But a lot of times I can get them out in April, end of March, and even April, when it's typically weeks earlier. So same thing with the peas. I'll just I'll actually set up the wall of water ahead of time, let it warm up that particular area for about a week, and then plant my pea seeds right in it, and it keeps them just happy as a clam, and I get a jump on that season too. But the wall of waters are also good for keeping squash happy until they get too big, and peppers and eggplant basil, all those heat-loving plants, they work really, really well. Now my next favorite technique is using the floating row covers. I don't know how I ever gardened without them. These are a really lightweight polyspun fabric that the lighter ones are really good for pest control. They'll let a lot of sunlight in, they do great to keep the bugs away from your plants, but we're looking for the heavier ones that will keep frost away. The, the floating row covers will give you a good four degrees sometimes six degrees of protection so if it's going to be 32 degrees at night and this is bumping it up to 36 38 degrees you can see where that benefit is I use them on my plants and also on my seed beds when I'm putting in carrots, beans corn beets just about anything early I find it really helpful to warm up the soil if it's gonna be early in the spring plant the seeds, water them in of course, and then pull the floating row cover over the top. This keeps my soil from drying out in the wind, so it's keeping the moisture in, and it also keeps a few degrees extra and they'll germinate faster. I also use the floating row covers a lot on the plants that I set out. I can easily set out the broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower out even earlier than normal, although they will take a bit of a frost if I toss the floating row covers over them. So it gives even those that are cold hardy that even extra little boost. Now, after the floating row covers, another thing I cannot live without are my cold frames. I'm blessed to have a husband who will build just about anything I want him to, but cold frames can be as simple as stacking four stacks of straw together and putting some sort of lid, either a plexiglass or a tempered glass lid on top of it. So the concept is, is like a mini greenhouse, it's just a nice protected area with plenty of sunlight that traps in that heat and keeps those plants safe. The important thing about a cold frame is the lid. You need to be able to easily open it up to regulate that temperature. Because in fact, the greatest danger of a cold frame isn't freezing, it's cooking all your plants in very short order. You know, if you get up in the morning and it's chilly out and cloudy, you go into work by mid-morning if that sun comes out it can easily fry everything you have. One way to mitigate this is if you have a lid that's on a hinge that easily comes up is that they do have different regulators that are adjusted by heat. So as it heats up, it will lift the lid. As it cools down, it'll come down. Those are really great if they work for you. Now with using cold frames I'll seed spinach and lettuce and other greens in them really really early say you know march february march to get a jump start on the greens i also use my cold frames to house the plants before i put them in the ground so they'll go from the greenhouse a lot of times to the cold frame which is a a little bit cooler environment than the greenhouse and then into the soil just so there's less of a shock factor and then also i plant a lot i'll plant my basil in the cold frames Rosemary just you know just about anything as long as if I want to extend the season the best place for it is in the cold frame. Next the solar umbrella is a really handy device really simple and whoever thought of it was just a genius. Most of them look like big old clear umbrellas just really really simple pop them open shove that middle post in the ground call it done. There are some others that have some really nice zippered areas, so you can regulate the airflow more, but I've truly never had a problem keeping my solar umbrellas even on when it's 90 plus degrees. I've never had a problem with things cooking, because there just seems to be enough air circulation underneath to keep things happy. But I use my solar umbrellas for, I love putting the squash and the melons under them to get them started, but they're really good for peppers and basil, and one of the best ways for anybody in a northern or cold environment to get eggplant growing. So with the solar umbrella, you just you plant like you would normal and push it over the top. The big difference is, is you either have to have drip irrigation around those plants underneath or you're going to have to pull the umbrella off every time you need to water, which can be a hassle. But they do work really, really well and they're really handy to store because you just close them up and throw them in a corner of the garden shed. Finally, if you need to protect just a few plants, there's no need to build anything big or invest in anything really, because you can utilize those old gallon milk jugs. When your family is done with the milk, just wash it out, cut off the bottom, and press it firmly over each individual plant. If you're in a windy area like I am, a lot of times you might have to use a stake in there. You know, even a thin metal one is easy just to help keep that in place. But these little hot caps are really good to put over peppers and broccoli. And as long as it'll fit underneath the jug, it's going to work out just fine. The one thing you have to remember, though, is to remove that lid during the day. If you don't, it's going to be like a mini cold framework and really cook it out. And then when it's cold at night, you want to put that lid back on at night to get the maximum benefit on it. But this works really well, especially if you have just a few plants to take care of. So as you can see there are a lot of ways to get around that last frost date stigma. You don't have to wait until everybody else is putting things out. You utilize these techniques and to create little environments for these plants to keep them happy. Plus it's really nice to get a jump on the season because we've been sitting inside all this winter. Some of us are starting seeds early which is lovely to see green but who by springtime, what gardener isn't ready to get out and plant the dirt. So it's a really nice way to get out, start getting things in the ground, and spread out that planting season. If we all waited until it was safe, it would just be a week of hectic throwing plants in the ground. This way it's really nice to start early, just keep it going, and by the time that safe time is there you're pretty much done and you're ready to enjoy it and ready to keep up on the weeds. So it's definitely a worthwhile project. Grab a few of these things, give it a try, and I can almost guarantee you're going to be planting as early as I will soon. To learn more from our gardening experts, join the community at plantersplace.com. And be sure to like Osmocote Plant Food on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in to the Planters Place podcast.